Hello, this is Stuttering is Cool. My name is Danny. I am coming to you from Toronto in Canada. The last time I took speech therapy was in the 1980s. Since starting this podcast, I've learned about many different types of speech therapy, different from what I've had, like the iStar program, the Maguire program, avoidance therapy. Being the big social media guy that I am, lately I've been wondering what is speech therapy like in today's social media age? So on this episode, I speak with speech therapists who use social media in their practice. Then I chat with a graduate student of speech pathology about what is being taught in universities today. First up... Hi, I'm Tanya Coyle and I live in uh, Sarnia, Ontario, Canada. And I'm a speech pathologist in a school board. I'm Shuri Kabentham. I'm a speech and language therapist in Barbados, that's in the Caribbean. Um, I work in private practice, so I work with a varied caseload of um, pediatric and adult caseload. Tanya and Shrika are two speech pathologists who use Twitter to host a monthly chat group called SLP Chat. Speech pathologists, you know, are getting on Twitter more and more over the past year, especially. And people would have conversations about really cool stuff, but then certain people would miss it or they're just kind of, you know, spontaneous conversations. Um, And so then actually Sharika was saying, oh, you know, it'd be really good if we could just have one time where we do it. And so we decided together, let's do like a chat because teachers are doing chats um, and other groups are doing regular chats. So we thought we'd do that and it changed a little bit. Hey, Sharika, it was was going to be a journal thing at first. (laughs) It has Um, become a lot more, you know, active and a lot more... It's a more informal setting, I think, and everybody just gives their ideas and and their questions and their feedback. And and what kind of topics do you talk about? And so far, we've done cycles for phonology. Um, we did last one that we did was um, non-speech or motor exercises. Um, is that all, Tanya? Uh, we did one on dysphagia or swallowing yes, yes. therapy. Um, the one that's coming up is going to be on introducing an early lexicon for language delayed children, like kind of first words for them, what what to introduce and why. And uh, actually, we're going to have one on fluency in the next several months. I'm not sure. One on uh, reading and the speech language pathology. You know, our role in reading now and um, evidence-based practice, stuff like that. Some of it's really like, really SLP geeky. And some of it's, <laughs> some of it's a little less geeky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they, 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 they range in intensity. Like this last topic on oral motor therapy and non-speech, or, it, it, mm, it's a bit of a controversial issue that we kind of tackled. Scan- yes. Scandal. Scandal. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, and it was definitely our best attended. And I don't, yes. I don't know, Shrika. Do you think that's because of time, or because of um, because like it's been out for this is the third one, or do you think? Yeah, because was- I think people are becoming more aware of it. Um, a lot of people were retweeting it on Twitter. Um, they were making a lot of other people more aware of it. Um, we had a professor who told her class about it too. Wow. 
yes. So we've been getting lots of publicity recently. And people saw, I think, the archive from the last one and they heard people, well, read people talking about the last one. So they were, it piqued their interest. So they came in, checked it out. And I think the time also had something to do with it as well, because Sunday afternoons are quite optimal for just relaxing and maybe just checking out what's happening online. And yeah. then they stumble, stumble upon the chat. Very nice. Um, yes. So for any speech therapists that are listening in, how would they uh, be able to participate in your next chat? Uh, anybody can participate in the chat. Uh, so far, it's mostly been speech pathologists, speech therapists, but it's certainly open to parents, uh, people who are um, who are doing speech therapy or who have friends, you know, anyone who's interested. Uh, we also get a lot of grad students, I guess. But anybody can participate. You have to follow at SLP chat, um, those tweets, or we have a blog slpchat.wordpress.com I think you know, I'm going to chat.wordpress.com yeah I'm going to double check uh, that I'm pretty sure that's it sorry it has all the information there um, it tells you what we are um, how to participate lots of different tips for getting your optimal performance in the chat and getting the most out of the chat um, also we have for those who can't make it for that time uh, we do an archive and on the blog, you can see um, our upcoming topic, any previous topics or posts that we have, and links to the archived conversations. Um, we have a section on how to participate, uh, because sometimes people haven't been involved in a chat before, and they don't know what to expect or how that's going to work. So we have that to explain, um, some kind of tips for participation, and uh, just a description of what SLP chat is. So yeah, so that's you have to be on Twitter at this point to participate. It's it's not off of the Twitter grid yet, uh, and I'm not even sure if we'd want to take it off Twitter. No, I don't think so. How come? What what are you finding the um, is the advantage of keeping it on Twitter or um, you know having it on Twitter? Well, I think we have formed a community there now. Okay. Um, we have what's called our SL peeps. <laughs> um, so that's where we have our informal chats about speech and language therapy issues, um, current research, current skills, current, um, if you're going to help, you know, we need help with this client, we have no idea what to do. And then somebody usually jumps in and says, well, you can try this, or you can try that, which is actually how Cycles got started. Um, our Cycles, our mm -hmm. first chat. Um, because I was one of the ones saying, oh my goodness, there's this thing called cycles for phonology. I have no idea how to use it. And somebody jumped in and she said, well, I, I trained under the person who was trained under the person who did cycles or who <laughs> created cycles, if that makes sense. And I know, well, she's like the go-to person for cycles. She's our cycles guru, we call her. Oh, so, okay. We said, well, maybe we should sit and have a, a conference about this. And it went into maybe we should have a chat about this. So that was our first SLP chat. So we're kind of a family now, an SLP uh, family. Very nice. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's... I wouldn't really want to take it outside of the family. <laughs> That's not that outsiders aren't welcome. Sorry, yes, Danny. No, Sorry, Danny. Welcome. Friends whom you haven't met yet. 
Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Do you use social media to keep in contact with your clients? I don't because mine are school kids. Oh, true, true. <laughs> but that's an interesting question. Sharika, do you do that? I, on Facebook, actually, I have one patient. She's a stroke patient. And then I have a couple parents on there. So I, I do send like different tips. I post different articles. Or if my stroke patient, if she did really well in therapy, I would send maybe a way to go something or a video so she could check on it. Because she's, you know, she's not ambulatory, so she doesn't get out. She doesn't see much of what's happening in the outside world. So I love to send her little things on Facebook, too. Oh, very nice. See, and I know, social media rocks. Sorry, go does. ahead. <laughs> no, no. It's a, I know a lot of, um, uh, there's a bunch of speech paths in our SLP community who have two different Twitter handles, one for um, their work and then one for kind of their personal, professional, their own. So they'll be tweeting, you know, from their work handle, they'll be tweeting things that they want their clients or whatever, the general public in their area to see. And then when they're tweeting kind of more as themselves, they're participating more in the professional discussions. I don't know how people do that. We're even for us to maintain SLP chat, like at SLP chat plus our own handles, this causes issues and confusion all the time. I remember when we first started getting together um, like a year ago-ish, there were what, like 18 of us maybe? Wow. Do you think? Yeah. That we knew of, like 18 speech paths who kind of connected with each other. And I remember a lot of us were talking about like, wow, you speak my language. That's cool. You know, you understand what I mean when I throw out, yeah, a joke about a test or whatever. And that's a really nice um, it's kind of fun that way too. You can share that those moments with those people, and they get it on a, the level that you mean for them to get it. You know, it was my, if I share it with my husband, I have to explain a whole lot of stuff first, and then the joke's no longer funny. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, I think that is an awesome thing about social media is you can find people all over. And Sharika, right? You're one of what three speech. It's four. Four. Four, I'm sorry. <laughs> in all of Barbados. Yep. <laughs> so you it was really talk good about to have that, that the network, that support network, those people that you can talk to, that you can run things by, um, who have who would have more access to resources, who would have more experience. Um, we've created a goal share, resource share folder where you can say, well, I'm looking for some info, some handout, something on a particular topic. And we've created that in a Google document folder and people can access that. So it's been really good to have more access, to make things a lot more accessible because technology and social media has just opened up a new world in that sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, support, I think, is, is the biggest key, for sure, support mm -hmm. and sharing. So I'll even pop on, well, we all do, we'll pop on and say, hey, I gave this test today, would you accept this response? Because sometimes you get kids that yeah. you're, you're on the, you're not sure if you would score that as correct or not, and so you throw it out there. Or I've got a kid that did this, help, how would you treat that? You know, what would you do? So there's a lot of sharing of therapy techniques and um, interpretation and, yeah therapy materials yeah. which is fantastic it's really it's upped all of our games for sure our professional 
um, skills. And one big thing that we've started to share too is goals. And we've created a goal bank as well. Um, well, some of the speech therapists on Twitter and everybody's able to add to that goal bank within our Google Documents. And it's been a really good thing for us because you can have a client with a particular disorder and you can say, well, let me go in and let's see what has been done, what goals have other speech therapists made for, for these clients, for clients with the same disorder. And you can have a look through, you can use some of these same goals in your practice. So that has been really good as well. Wow, fantastic, fantastic work. What's that uh, website address again where people can find all the information on um, how and where they can part- participate? It's slpchat.wordpress.com. I, I'm amazed, like the SLP Tanya and that whole group, I mean, they're hardcore. There's a <laughs> conversation going on there. I'll look in at all hours and there'll be somebody talking. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the conversation's still going. It doesn't die, you know, it's like, and it's great that um, that they're doing what they're doing. And I'm proud that uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of Canadians that are actively participating considering our population compared to the rest of the world it's i I think it's impressive my name is marcus little i'm a speech language pathologist i um use internet and technology to leverage my presence uh on the web and and market myself using um twitter uh what else do i use skype See, now, now you, yeah, well, I, use, I use Skype. The bulk of what I do in my 12 years of experience work, uh, working as a speech pathologist has been, um, the bulk of it is articulation. I've done some fluency. I've done some voice, but mostly articulation. So what I've done is using Skype as a, for teletherapy, it means I can find and work with people, you know, wherever the internet service is fast enough to, um, you know, to help them develop their uh, abilities to say their speech sounds <laughs> say their speech sounds properly. I, <laughs> the I need some help, man. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I love it. So um, um, I'm going to ask a very obvious question: What are the benefits of um, of using Skype to give ther- <laughs> therapy? I, you know, I love Skype. Number one, my commute <laughs> is down the hallway to my office. <laughs> Uh, there's well, a traffic jam <laughs> <laughs> the door's slightly open <laughs> yeah the traffic jam's my messy room <laughs> um the i mean that's that's the best thing is how easy it is to you know go to work and it gives me much more flexibility um in terms of when i work mm-hmm. i i see clients in person in niagara falls and i was doing it two days a week. I was doing it Mondays and I was doing it Thursdays. And if a client doesn't show up, there's not, we got to push it to the next day, uh, to the next week, to the next, you know, we have to reschedule and it's, we only have limited amount of time to schedule with a Skype. It's just, there's much more flexibility on my end to reschedule a client that can't make it at a certain time. Um, there's a lot, a lot of benefits to, to working on Skype from a therapy perspective um, simply because like kids, number one, they like technology. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, they're comfortable sitting in front of a screen. Uh, secondly, 
when I'm modeling, I mean, I can lean right into the camera so that my whole face fills the screen and, you know, show them where to put their tongue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, it, you know, you have their attention. You, you know if they're looking at you or not. Whereas, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, in person, that's not always the case. Like I sometimes like kids can be not as comfortable to be looking at you and it might need constant redirection you know how would you do you deal with with the tech issues that come up with the skype funny that you mentioned that because i'm actually working on uh, writing out like a protocol for that in terms of just making sure everybody's on the same page mm -hmm. you know things like uh, if if it drops out who calls back you know like making it clear to the client just sit tight i'll phone you back um Sometimes you'll lose uh, you lose video, but there's still the chat option. So you'll use that and you'll chat to them. Okay, we'll just reconnect. You know, I'll I'll call you back in 30 seconds and end the session and call them back. And sometimes that's that's enough to get a better internet connection and you're on your way again. That's right? Yeah, it happens. I wouldn't say it happens frequently, but it happens, and it's just something that uh, hasn't to date. It hasn't been too hard to work around. And sometimes you have to do a judgment call as well. I mean, there's been some times where um, the audio has started to break up. And in the situation that I'm working in, I know the client's stimulable. I know they can say they sound correctly. And I can hear if they're saying it correctly or not. So if, if it warrants, we can just shut the video off and then we can do audio. And that'll put the bandwidth to make the audio better. And we'll get through that way, but that's—I mean—that's the exception. That happens. That happens rarely as well. But it's—it's it's one of the options. Yeah. I just discharged a client this past week that we fixed probably you know five or six different sounds, and they were on one of those uh, rural satellite satellite connections that aren't the greatest. And you know, we just worked through it. How what do else? you deal with time zone differences? You mentioned. Uh, <laughs> In our chat, uh, you know, you have clients in Dubai. Uh, you mentioned Ireland. You just learn the different time zones. Actually, the, the big thing they say is use my iPhone. Like my iPhone has this world time clock yeah, things. Yeah. I have my client in Dubai, and I, you know, I'll double check and make sure that <laughs> make sure that, that you know we're both on the same page when we're when we're supposed to meet. There's this web service out there called Tungle. I don't know if you've ever heard of it Tungle? or not. No. Tungle. But it is actually these guys are out of Montreal that put this thing together. And what it is 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 getting this online scheduler that's able to connect with anybody's type of scheduling, whether it's, you know, an, an iPhone or it's Outlook or it's oh, a, wow. a Gmail calendar. And uh, what it does is it allows you to show your availability so if you have spots open where you don't have clients oh. it shows that you have availability it doesn't show any of the other information about names of your clients or all that's kept separate but it's, it's more just like a you scheduling. are available during this time exactly so like oh, for someone like me who's who's looking at um you know i i that's a conversation i constantly have with clients is when you're when are you available and what do you have and you know doing it by emails tedious <laughs> uh, you know yes <laughs> when you can just send them a link, it says, this is my availability. Pick what works for you, and it updates. It's very cool, and it's free. That's the, that's the beauty of it, too. It's free. <laughs> You've mentioned that you use an iPhone. Uh, yeah. What are your thoughts on 
the possibilities of speech therapy at any time. So, for example, uh, you know, the iPhone 4, for example, and I'm pretty, and now I haven't really uh, researched, you know, the other smartphones, but I'm assuming they all have this with the front facing camera, the iPad 2 has that as well. And, you know, FaceTime, where you could be out grocery shopping and you get contacted by your uh, client somewhere around the world um, <laughs> or, you know, up the street saying, I have this job interview. I got to practice saying this word or, you know, like, you know, you could be right there and OK, and you can give your uh, therapy. Do you see? Uh, I can speak to that. That is possible. And the reason I know is that when I was in Florida and I was on, a, on one of my wife's uh, older computers, the laptop, and I saw there was something wonky about it. And sometimes I would lose my, um, like my connection. And it wasn't, you know, if I, if I switched to her newer laptop, there was no issues, but for some reason that older laptop, it would, it would go off. And I remember a few times where I had to switch over and do the therapy on my iPhone. And so what all that meant is they couldn't see me, but I could still see them and I could still hear them and they could still hear me. So, okay. I, you know, like I like I've I've done exactly what you're saying, minus them seeing me, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it works sometimes. There there are situations where they don't need to see you. Where they need to see you is at the start of uh, intervention, where you're working on sound stimulability. You're showing them how to say the sounds. You're getting them accurate at saying their sounds. But once they're accurate at the sound level, then it's a matter of taking that sound and putting it into syllables, double syllables, word sentences, and working it up to conversation. And, you know, for a lot of it, you really don't need that face-to-face. It's nice to have, but, mm-hmm. uh, and I like to be able to see them, but it's not always necessary that they, they have to see me, yeah, <laughs> if that makes nice. sense. Yeah. <laughs> can you tell us your website address where people can find you? Definitely. People can uh, come learn more about the speech pathway um, approach at thespeechpathway.com. <laughs> Yuri Schneider is a speech pathologist who splits his time between New York and Israel. He uses a plethora of social media tools for public advocacy, staying in touch, managing his practice, and sharing documentary films he produced with with Dr. Phil Schneider. I think, uh, you know, it's 2011, and if you want to engage people where they're spending most of their time, spending a lot of time online, and... um, you know, that speaks to the general population, and certainly people who stutter are no different and uh, and are also spending a lot of time online. So I think that there are really three, three things in 2011 that people are doing. People are using the Internet a lot more than they ever did. That's what the numbers tell us. People are using Facebook. Um, the numbers are staggering in terms of the number of people that have a Facebook profile and are on there and checking their updates and seeing what other people are posting and more and more people are posting as individuals and organizations um, are more and more present and then Twitter of course um, more of a public version of Facebook and Skype so I think those are really the three the internet Facebook and Twitter and Skype Um, and I think that I'm watching you know, we've seen in our practice and also in terms of just the general information 
that we put out there that more and more people, when we talk to them and we ask them, well, what do you know about stuttering and where have you heard about it? More and more people are doing a lot of research online, uh, finding a lot of good information, also finding a lot of misinformation. Um, but good information is becoming easier and easier to come across, you know, whether it's through our website, schneiderspeech.com, or blogs like this one, uh, Stuttering is Cool, <laughs> and Stutter Talk, and the Stuttering Brain, and the Stuttering Homepage, um, great organizations like the Stuttering Foundation of America, National Stuttering Association, um, Friends, Young People Who Stutter, and the Our Time our time theater um, you know these are all great places for people to find out great information on our site to see documentaries and to just see what's the latest thinking about stuttering and to use social media Facebook and Twitter to really join the conversation whether it's a public conversation about stuttering and topics that are of interest or to realize that you're really, really not alone. There really are other people that stutter. It's not just something that, you know, someone told you and doesn't really exist. But if you go out there on Facebook or you go out there on Twitter, you can find hundreds of people, if not more, who are interacting and talking openly about being people and living normal lives, being very, very successful, and also being very open about their stuttering. And um, I think that's really something that didn't exist just a few years ago and in the earlier phases of Facebook and Twitter. But I think the stuttering community has really become very active and taken to uh, talking and being active in Facebook and Twitter. I know it's a funny story that, that you and I share that I was going to be presenting overseas in Israel and I suddenly had to translate an abstract for my presentation into Hebrew. <laughs> and I had this I time pressure. <laughs> I had this time pressure. I got to get it done. And so I turned to Twitter and I posted it on Twitter. And I was connected to you and to a lot of other people who stutter. And uh, I said, look, I have this stuttering presentation. And I've got to get this translated into Hebrew ASAP. Yeah, I had no, th you know, no real hopes that I'd find someone, number one, who could translate it into a good Hebrew, nor did I think I could find someone that could translate it into a good Hebrew who would also know something about stuttering. And then you picked up the tweet and you said, hey, I think I know somebody in Tel Aviv. And then I said to myself, and I didn't tell you, but what are the chances <laughs> that this new, this new friend of mine on Twitter is going to be able to bail me out here and that his person oh. in Tel Aviv is going to be reliable and competent? And the small world that it is, it turns out that the person in Tel Aviv was someone that I was only one degree of separation removed from back here in New York. And in the end, he was the the link to my getting this translated. And, and he certainly knew quite a bit about stuttering. And he was able to get me a good translation for it. So it is really amazing when you see some of the good that can be done using social media and using the Internet in 2011. It's... Uh, it's it's quite amazing. I think especially especially for young people, the number of hours that young people are spending online, very often, uh, you know, online time becomes a black hole. But for people who stutter, and especially young people who stutter, and teens who stutter, if Facebook and Twitter and some of their online time can be directed into something 
productive if they're kids who stutter and young people who stutter. I think that there's no better thing that they can be doing than reading about other people's stories, listening to other people's stories, and seeing some of the conversations that are going on um, so that they can see that they're not alone. And they can find out if there's a meetup or if there's a support group in their area. And of course, uh, the other exciting thing about Skype is how we can really transcend boundaries. You know, the quality of Skype, people who tried it a few years ago when the internet wasn't as stable, when Skype was relatively newer, really don't realize what Skype is all about and that this phone call and this recording is happening over Skype is a real testament to how smooth of a system it can be. And, uh, you know, this week I've connected with people and been doing therapy from Vienna, Israel, um, New Zealand, New York, wow, uh, all over the tri-state area. And the, the efficiency, the convenience, and the effect uh, really justifies people taking a really good look at Skype as a new way of talking to each other and saving on their phone bills and also considering it as a way to really reach out to to good professionals to get good information. Um, Did a consultation this week for a family of a preschool child who stutters and the convenience of mom and dad both being able to participate as each of them was sitting in their place of work and we were having a three-way video conference with video of them interacting with their child at home which was taken beforehand and uploaded through Dropbox. And then here we are, we're having this consultation and this very rich discussion, including both parents in the convenience of their workplace in the middle of the day. And that was pretty, pretty astounding. Wow. <laughs> I am, I am astound and I'm like always using all of these tools. <laughs> wow, that's great. <laughs> I learned from you and uh, and oh, Ezra no. <laughs> and the rest of the gang, you know, all the newest stuff and then see how we can put it to use to, to try to make a difference and empower people to to do good things. Twitter and how we use Facebook, you know, beyond just letting people know about the films and the documentaries that we've made available free on the internet, both the film from 2004, Transcending Stuttering, which is a half-hour documentary that just explores the inside story of what it is to be a person who stutters, and it's told through the voices of uh, some heroic friends of ours who stutter. Um, as well as the new film that came out this past year, uh, Going With the Flow, A Guide to Transcending Stuttering. We also use social media to stay in touch with current clients and past clients, to be in touch with other professionals, to be in touch with students of speech pathology, and just the general public. It's a great place to do free advocacy for all issues relating to communication, freedom of speech, stuttering, and, and the myriad of issues that we're interested in around those topics. Um, whether we share a link, that, whether we're sharing events that are coming up, either those that we're hosting, a workshop, 
a movie screening, a discussion, whether those are happening in real life in some city on the East Coast or the West Coast or overseas, or whether it's an online meetup or, uh, or viewing. And then also just sharing information of what's going on with other organizations. And, and that's the other wonderful thing about social media is how we can all help each other. So, you know, if stuttering is cool, is connected to, I don't know, how many you got now? 50,000 people? I have you know, no so idea. It, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can take your I can take your post and I can forward it and spread the good word to the next few thousand people that I know and then one of them can pick it up and pass it on and before you know it you've kind of reached a whole network of people that you were only two degrees of separation from, but you couldn't have reached them without using your network and using your contacts and that's the beauty of it and how we can all help each other and and make the entire online community really an extension of of the real life community and hopefully bring some more goodness and support but especially for the stuttering community you know when we can when we can move quickly as individuals to to get good information out there and when it's necessary you know to bring attention to public officials who've done some not such nice things in the way that they've presented stuttering or mocked stuttering in any way is a very quick way to bring about accountability on those occasions but more importantly really just to create connections and support and inspiration and spread good information uh, for the stuttering community online. Well, I, I learn a lot from you and, and <laughs> really really admire and respect and enjoy sharing your material and your comics. Oh, thank you. And your analogies with so many people that I meet in real life in my office, and we'll sit in my office, and we'll go to your website and wow. get the comics, and we'll go to other people's websites, um, and just look at all the good content that people are sharing. And the great thing is that there's a real ability to transcend barriers, whether it's geographic barriers or socioeconomic barriers. You know, most of the material most of the good material that's out there is free you know when people are selling um, programs to cure stuttering online in seven days number one yeah. it costs <laughs> money and number two usually it's not worth a penny yeah. um, but but most of the good people who are out there are really doing it altruistically to just put out good information and connect people who may be looking for that information to to bring that information closer to them right in the comfort of their own home. Did you want to talk more about the, about, about the films? I would invite everybody, especially on the heels of uh, The King's Speech, which was such a fantastic film and uh, really phenomenal, I think, for people who stutter and for speech pathologists. You know, there was very little that one could find that just didn't stir people's emotions and strike a chord of the essence of what stuttering is all about and the heroism of people who stutter who who go beyond the stuttering and continue to be all that they need to be and muster up the courage that it takes to do things that other people just take for granted um, and I think as a speech pathologist it just really captured the essence of fusing together the best of speech pathology and the science and the techniques and strategies and all of that, but really also highlighting the other piece, that human piece of, of aligning oneself with another person and becoming 
a confidant and becoming a friend and becoming a person who supports another person when they're feeling down and out and becoming a person who encourages someone to muster the courage they need to do the things that they they know they want to do but don't think they can um, so I think for people who stutter and for speech pathologists it was just a great film but in the end of the day it was a film and uh, if, to really get the inside story you know there's nothing more heroic than getting to know a person who stutters and hearing their story and I think that uh, through the documentaries that we've put together the latest one going with the flow a guide to transcending stuttering which really tells the inside story of two people's journeys with their stuttering and through speech therapy and it follows them through the process and you really get to see the inside story of therapy and come into the room and see how things evolve in a very real uh, in a very real way and of course the first film transcending stuttering the inside story which i think is a great film for anyone who has not met other people who stutter for parents young adults and adults who want to hear more of other people talking about their stutter and I've yet to find anyone who watches that film who doesn't find that it resonates in one way or another with their own story and that it's such a powerful thing for people who have felt isolated or confused to hear some good information but more than information to hear other people's stories and to be able to resonate with that and to kind of connect to that universal experience and of course it, it's very inspiring to see the hope and the strength and the shine that these people all you know personify and all those films all the media that we've produced is available free online at schneiderspeech.com and you can go directly to the media page or you can type in the URL schneiderspeech.com slash media and you can see uh, all the media and all the extra footage and we invite everybody to do that. When I started university back in the 1990s, I wanted to take physics but I was rubbish in math. I also wanted to get into speech pathology, however, that was during a time way before I knew about stuttering acceptance. In other words, I was a covert stutterer and didn't imagine a speech therapist could stutter. Boy, did I find out how wrong I was years later. It was social media that got me learning all about acceptance and yeah, speech therapists can stutter. <laughs> Arizona native James Brinton is a graduate student in speech pathology at George Washington University in, of course, Washington, D.C. I asked him what I missed out on studying speech pathology. So your question, what, what did you miss by not going into speech pathology as your line of study? That's <laughs> it's a very big question. It's hard oh, to okay. answer. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> what, basically, this is how I would sum it up. Uh, speech pathology is divided into many areas. So within the field of speech pathology, there's different areas. For example, you have um, general uh, pediatrics, so kids' speech and language disorders. You have um, adults who have uh, brain injuries, aphasia, 
you have clients who have hearing loss, who speak sign language, you have kids on the autism spectrum, um, people who have other communication disorders based on their um, cognitive impairments, um, clients who want uh, accent modification services for their kind of overall communication and language, um, kids in schools who have learning disabilities. I mean, there's uh, you go into a hospital, there's people who have difficulty swallowing. That is under our scope of practice. Um, so, I mean, once you get into the field of speech pathology, you get a general education, um, but there's areas where you can um, kind of specialize if you want to. And I, from what I've understood over, over time, it's kind of emphasized that speech pathologists try and em uh, specialize in one or, or a few more areas over there over the course of their career so they can kind of um, be experts in different areas of speech pathology. Um, for me, as you know, I'm hoping to specialize down the road in stuttering among other um, kind of general speech pathology areas. So when you go into a program for speech pathology, you get a taste of each of these different areas. Hopefully, if your grad program, um, you know, discusses each of these areas, which isn't always the case. So aside from stuttering, uh, what else are you, uh, have you specialized in? Uh, well, I wouldn't call it specialized yet, but uh, things that I've taken interest in so far, I really like working with kids overall, um, and my internships have give me, given me good experience with kids. Um, right now I'm in a school for kids with special needs, so um, these kids have speech disorders, speech sound disorders, they have language learning disorders. Um, so there's that, kind of the general kid population I really like. I've liked working with my clients who have cochlear implants and hearing aids. Um, I've really enjoyed working with clients who want to reduce or modify uh, their foreign accents for their, you know, for their own career enhancement. That's been really interesting for me. I've really worked with the, the kids and the teens who are people who stutter. That's really been a learning experience, really fun. Um, so those are kind of the areas that I'm interested in. Autism, I think, is very fascinating. I'm getting some good experience in that and hope to continue with that as well. Hmm, very nice. Now, I remember uh, last year at the NSA conference, we were recording and um, yeah. we were talking about how you went on a voluntary stuttering assignment, right? Or you, or, you know, you uh, you were instructed to yeah to go out and voluntary stutter so you get the idea of what stuttering is like. Do they do the same for other speech disorders? As far as I know, no, they don't. Um, no, I don't think they do. Yeah. And I've never heard of that being done with other disorders. No. Yeah. Okay, like I uh, don't perhaps walking around with ear 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 earplugs or something. I'm not sure. I guess. Yeah. I guess it doesn't sound right to have a professor saying, "Okay, go out and speak in this accent." <laughs> <You know>. <laughs> <laughs> right. Before we leave the uh, topic of accent uh, modification, like you just mentioned, accent. Uh -huh. um, sometimes that's a little bit of a, a hot an issue for some speech pathologists because if somebody comes to the United States with a foreign accent that is not a disorder and uh, so you know as a speech pathologist one who uh, investigates and treats pathologies you know that 
might not be under scope of practice. However, if somebody has a communication goal, something that's maybe hindering them in their, uh, you know, their career advancement or whatever they might, you know, word it as, you know, if they come to me as a speech pathologist and say, I'd really like help with this, yes, I can help you with that. Um, however, that's something that's not necessarily, it's not a disorder, but that's something that some speech pathologists do work on. And so I have had some experience in that. Um, the other thing was uh, getting back to your question about, um, for our fluency class, uh, my professor had us each go out on assignment and pseudo stutter in three different scenarios out in public and then write up our experience about that. Um, I've heard of other grad programs who do the same type of assignment in that class, which I think is really valuable uh, to some degree. And then there's other programs who don't have that type of assignment. Um, there are some grad programs who don't have a course in stuttering uh, specifically set aside to teach about stuttering. Um, so one thing I looked for when I was looking at grad programs was not only do they have a course for stuttering, um, but you know, a grad program that has a course in a lot of different areas that's very comprehensive so I can get a good education. I think as a, a student SLP, that's something that was really important in my decision on which school I chose. How can you tell if you're choosing the right school? Um, well, that's a good question. <laughs> when you do research for a school, there's so many schools to choose from. You can get on a school's website and a program's website and actually look at the courses that they offer. Um, specifically and how many credits each one is, how many electives you can take. And then typically what you'll do is if you have questions about um, you know, your academic experience outside of the coursework, you call up the department head and you ask, you know, tell me about internships, tell me about the way the clinic is run, about supervision, things like that. So you really you do have to do a little bit of uh, investigating because there's so many programs to choose from and there's a lot of good programs. So it's uh, it's a lot of factors to consider when you're deciding to make a, a big decision like that, for sure. You know, when you take a look at the coursework for a, a graduate level course on stuttering and fluency disorders, I have my syllabus here from the class I took, and looking over what we covered in the short summer semester, um, there's a lot of information to cover in you know, 10 weeks of class that, so basically you cover each week's um, material thoroughly within the class period, but there's so much that you could learn about stuttering specifically that I don't think can be taught in a classroom. It's learned through extra study. It's learned through experience as a clinician perhaps um, over, over years. So I think that you know, in our course, we had the basics of any course. We had um, investigating the disorder, looking at assessment of the disorder, the disorder in children versus adults, wow. um, treat, treatment options, which in stuttering, there's different um, schools of thought, different approaches that you can take according to what, you know, what the goal is. Is the client trying to be more fluent? Are they trying to stutter more easily and work on the emotional aspect and the cognitive aspect of you know how stuttering is for them so there's that um, wow that's you know, there's so really impress impressive it does it does sounds like you're being taught uh to be client focused from the beginning yes wow. yes 
I think a big part of that focus was at the beginning of the semester, our professor engaged us in a discussion about the question, what is stuttering? How can we define it? And basically, we learned that stuttering is a multifactorial disorder, that it has outward manifestations of behavior, but it's also, um, like I said, the emotions, the cognitions, the thoughts, and it can't really be defined by one simple definition. People who stutter are different, and the experiences they have are different, so we can't just take one approach. And I think starting off the course with that in mind was really, really beneficial for us to say, I have a new client who stutters, let me get to know them, what they need, what they want, and go from that point as an individual. I think that's really important. And we got we got that in our coursework very thoroughly. So I, you know, I, I hope that other grad programs also take that approach. And you know, knowing how important it is now, um, and as I go forward, you know, trying to implement that into my therapy. And that's it for today's episode of Stuttering is Cool. I am always happy to hear from you. Please send me your comments by way of on the blog at stutteringiscool.com. Look, look for show number 108. You can also send me an email at coolstutter at gmail.com. And most of all, I always love receiving mp3s from you record yourself and and send it to me in an in an mp3 to the same address coolstutter at gmail.com and i will play it on my next episode i just want to mention that the northwestern speech support group is is starting up in melbourne australia if you are in the area check out their website at http colon slash slash nwssg.org and speaking of support groups one is starting up in Montreal Canada head on over to meetup.com and search for Montreal stuttering group until the next episode ciao